All right, so this evening, uh, we're going we're gonna to continue through our study, and we're, we're coming uh, to this point where last week we looked at the one word that started the American Revolution. Does anyone remember that word? Consent. Consent. Well done. Yes. Yes, nobody clapped for you, but I did. Yes, you did too. There's two of us. Everyone else was jealous. So the word consent, and we got this concept that in our, in our Declaration of Independence, which is, in a sense, our mission statement as a country, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, right? And we've studied the idea of, of equal not being in capacity, but being in dignity, correct? Right. And, and who gives us that dignity according to our founders? Our creator. It was interesting because I was in a debate uh, for the state assembly and they said, do you believe creation should be taught in schools? And, and, and I said, it already is being taught. And the person asking the question said, well, what do you mean? I said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And he said, well, and I go endowed by their creator. So if you're teaching civics, you're teaching creation, that the idea that our, our inalienable rights come from our creator. Everyone understand that according to, and, and I'm not asking you to be a believer. I'm just saying that's what the document says. Is everyone in agreement with that? Yes. Now, are we as human beings able to look at someone and give that equality? We tend to marginalize people and put them into categories, don't we? And, and we like to hang around with people that look like us, act like us, think like us. Is, is that true? And so when you see this document that it says, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people. Now, this wasn't for America. It was for the world. It was this idea of a statement declaring that, that freedom and these inalienable rights come from God, and the main form of government on the face of the earth was an oligarchy. Do you remember studying that? Ruled by a few, a few, few, few. And that sovereign, that king... He was born a king, the divine right of kings, and we were born subjects, yes? And so the idea is he tells us what to do. He owns the land, he owns the property, he owns the capital, he owns everything, and he tells us what to do. And we have been created, in a sense, their mindset, by God to serve him. And he has this divine right of kings. And, and then as the, and we'll take a look at this later, but as the Protestant Reformation took hold, the Geneva Bible came through and they started to do the marginal writings and the commentaries. And this is what you see in the Capitol Rotunda with the picture of the, the separatists of Puritans coming in. They're opening the Bible. 1621 is the Geneva Bible. And obviously the, the king outlawed the printing of an English Bible anywhere in the British Empire with the, the statement that only the king could authorize it. He came out with the King James Version to take out all the commentary that dealt with civil government. Because he didn't want anyone literate and contending for his divine right of kings, which isn't scriptural from, from the Puritan's mindset. And so they started to contend for it, and they started to establish this idea of civil government. You had John Locke, and you started to see all these thinkers come together and put these ideas. And so the two treatises of government that we took a look at, they came up with this idea of if we are equal in dignity... If we are equal in dignity, and I said, let's make it simple. Last week, I went, I read some of the John Locke stuff, and I could see you all look like a deer caught in headlights. And so the simplicity of it is, if we are equal, wouldn't you have the authority, or excuse me, if we're equal, you wouldn't have the authority to do to me something to me unless I agreed. Correct? 
So this idea of, of consent uh, brings about a representative form of government. It means that we don't do the government ourselves. We elect others to do it for us. So I want to, I want to take a turn this evening and and we're going to stop at 45 minutes to the best of my ability. And then I'm going to take questions and answers. I was really blessed by the questions last week. I may or may not be able to answer them. Some of you may be able to answer them. I'd ask that they be questions so that we can gain understanding as opposed to just taking time to give commentary. Uh, um, Because this is my class and I'll do that. Um, I want to read this to you as a people have been, as a people have been following politics intelligently they've been understood that one of the problems key in politics is that you give some people power and you don't want them to abuse it. How do you give, uh, give that power and limit it at the same time? So how do you give a representative power and limit it at the same time? This is a question of particular importance and especially during the American Revolution where they have, of course, thrown off the king and we saw that. We'll take a look at it. They threw off the king and, and, he, and a, a, he's a very extremely powerful man, and they didn't want to do away with government. And so they wanted to give power, and they understood sovereignty, that that person is in power. But how do we put them in power but not give them too much power? An example. The king of England, remember the executive, legislative, and judicial branch, yes? We have the president, we have the Supreme Court, and we have the legislature, right? And we separate those powers, The king of England, who had the executive powers in England? The king did. Who had the power over the judicial system? Who had the power over the legislature? And who was the sovereign? Okay, now in America, our founders came up with something spectacular. But before we take a look at it tonight, I want to show you a country that did the same thing. They took power... And they wanted to reestablish a new government. And this government, this, this nation, was responsible for the Protestant Reformation in many regards. It was one of the strongest Christian nations. Uh, some of the greatest theologians came out of there. And within 20 years of this occurrence, almost 80 million people were dead as a result of this country. Take a look at this video um, that I'm going to show you. So you have a nation that has a legislature has an executive, legislative, and judicial branch. It goes through a crisis, and the crisis that's created is between, well, it's obviously the inflation and monetary issues, and we can go into that. But suffice it to say, they pit two people together, and you heard the commentators say right-wing Nazis came after the communists, as though the communists were left-wing, right-wing. Have we covered that? Do you remember this one? Total government, proper government, no government at all. No government is anarchy. Proper government is a constitutional republic. And then total government, they're all in the same line. Communism, fascism, socialism, oligarchy, etc. That's the idea that a few rule the many, and they have absolute power to do so, and they control the capital, and they control all the aspects of a government. Understood? Over here, proper government, this idea where we get republic, which means uh, we honor the law. And, and, and the idea is we are bound in our powers by a constitution to deal with the law itself. So our powers are separated and protected for the purpose of the people to have that freedom. Over here, you're dominated by the state. Okay? 
over here, this, this happens so as to usher in this. You may have a, um, a communist nation, then you have anarchy, and then a fascist comes in because somebody has to rule. And in the vacuum created by anarchy, it only lasts for a period of time, but one of these takes over. This only happens when you honor the law. Now, what is the law? The wise restraints that make men free. And where do we get the law? Is it subjective? Does it mean we just get to make it up? Because all of them have laws. But what are the laws that declare the dignity of man and the equality of man? Is equality in communism from... from um, uh, what, what is the term that, that Marx used? Uh, from the abundance of one man to the need of another? Yes? yes. From, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. And we've covered that, where you're getting an A, you're getting an F, I take two grades from you and bring him up two grades, he gets a C, you get a C, what happens as a result of that? We're all the same. We, it, it ruins incentive, you're not going to work hard and you're going to wait for the next gift. And everyone has apathy, and that's why your gross domestic production and all these things that are designed to give us humanity and identity so that we flourish is gone. And, and on the face of the earth comes this constitutional republic never before in the history of mankind, which says, you, here we go, you are the sovereign. Watch this. Germany was No, not that. Different. This. <laughs> All men are created equal in dignity, not capacity. If we are equal, and we've covered this, then you can only do to me what I agree you can. Consent gives rise to representation. And here's where we're going to turn today, and we're going to have a new study. Representation requires a written way uh, for that to happen. Now, what is the form for that to happen? We covered the, 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 the causes, the four causes of America Right? The material cause, the land and the people, the efficiency cause, the founders. What was the formal cause? The U.S. Constitution. Representation requires a written way for that to happen. We have to have rules. If you're going to represent me, I want to give you a clear limit and parameter of what you can and can't do if you're going to represent me, and I'll give you consent. In a representative government, who is the sovereign? This is fascinating. Never before in the history of the world. Here we go. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries. This is from the Declaration of Independence and usurpations and having in direct object establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. There he is, King George. He's a good looking guy. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. And as I covered this earlier, who was the executive of England? It was George. Who was the legislator? It was George. And who was the judicial power? It was George. Who was the sovereign of England? So he had the sovereignty and he ran the government. He was the sovereign and he ran the government. Now here's where America gets really unique. Unlike any nation on the face of the earth, here we go. A constitutional majority is the only true sovereign of a free people, Abraham Lincoln. One of his favorite quotes. Look at it again. A constitutional majority is the only true sovereign of a free people. What is a constitutional majority? What is a, so what a true sovereign of a free people? What does that mean? Here we go. This is the preamble to the U.S. Constitution. And how does it begin? Stop. We the people. 
Guess who the sovereign of America is? You are. And guess what you aren't allowed to do? Run the government. You're not in the executive branch, are you? Now, granted, there are some that we have as representatives that do that in there, but I'm talking about the majority of citizens of the United States of America who are the sovereign. They are not the executive, they're not the legislature, and they're not the judicial branch. We have the sovereignty, but we don't have the ability to run the government. And this is what's interesting. The king was suspending the legislatures that we saw earlier. And consent gives rise to representation, and that representation requires a way for that to happen. But this is what I wanted to point out tonight. Um, here it is. Every human exercise of power must be restrained by reason, and there are constitutional forms that have been implemented that can help bring that out. And here, here it is. There was a separation between the sovereignty and the power in the United States of America to protect our country and the freedoms we have individually. The Constitutional Convention, when they got together, they said, how do we allow you to have that sovereignty but protect the nation? Because we saw what happens in a democracy. What happens in a democracy? Remember that? Mob rule. So they came together to make a more powerful government at the center but not at the expense of the sovereignty of the people. And the method by which we give our ongoing consent, it's very important, watch this. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, first they establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves, our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. So that's the preamble. And the very next thing that this this constitution does this outline this form of our government it's saying you're the sovereign and now we are going to give representation and the very next thing in this constitution is they say house of representatives shall be composed of members chosen every second year by the people of the several states and the electors in each state shall have qualifications uh, requisite for electors of the most numerous 10 branch of the state legislature so what they're saying is we the people, now we're going to allow representation. And we're going to give those representatives the power in the government, the legislature. And then there's going to be a system to elect an executive. And there's going to be a system to elect an upper house and a lower house. And there's going to be a system to place in for judges. And each of these three branches are going to check the other one and keep it into balance. But the people who have the authority, those who are sovereign, are us. We're the ones to do it. They are our representatives. Now, if you don't know what's outlined in this constitution in the form of it, they can do to this what Hitler did to the Reichstag. Nobody knows what Article 48 is in the, in, in, in the German government. Yet he wiped out and was responsible for the death of 80 million people. And he took over a, a, a republic, the Weimar Republic, and he ousted everyone who was in opposition to him. And do you know that he won with 36% of the vote. He didn't even have a majority of the vote over Germany. And by the time he rose to chancellor, not vice chancellor, by the time he rose to chancellor and, and, and the, the, the man dies and he takes a, a authority, do you know what brought him in as Fuhrer, which is supreme leader? They, they just disposed of all the other titles and said, you are the supreme ruler over all of Germany. You'll be the sovereign and you'll run the government. 
They gave him complete and total power. 91% of the people voted in him in a, an election. Because really what he had done is he had wiped out all the communists. He had wiped out any evangelical Christians. He had wiped out anyone who was in opposition to him, put him in prison or started to do death camps and send him away. And, and there was, I think, 90 seats that were occupied by the communists. They didn't bother to show up that day because they would all be imprisoned if they had. And so what happens is if the people don't protect the sovereignty of the equality and the consent to govern, I'm going to ask you this question. You'll know this by the end of our time together. But has anyone ever come up to you and said, I'm running for office and I'd like your vote? Could you raise your hand if that's ever happened? I want to help you with the very first question you ask them. Please name for me the seven articles of the U.S. Constitution that you intend to protect as you represent me. And please tell me the 27 amendments that you plan to protect as you represent me. If they don't know them, do not vote for them. Problem is, you're going to need to know them. Otherwise, you lose this and you get one of these. And all that's necessary is some sort of a chaotic event and we cry out for someone to save us because we're clueless about what we've been given. This is a very delicate government that requires its people to participate. If you're the sovereign and you're ignorant and illiterate, you can't hold those representatives accountable and they're going to run roughshod over you. So... The next time someone comes and asks for your vote, ask them to name for you the seven articles of the U.S. Constitution. Just ask them how many amendments are in the Constitution. They can say 27, they're doing well. They're better than 95% of the people who are in office right now. But ask them, how do you plan to defend that Constitution? Yes? Because you're swearing to do that. In addition, if you're a military personnel or you're serving in the police department or our first responders. You need to know this because you are protecting us, the sovereign. It used to be in America that the most powerful position in a county was the sheriff because he would stand is what they call the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. He would stand in defense of the county for anyone who came in to usurp the authority of the people but we're pushing everything up to the top and we're centralizing our government and taking away the freedom of the people. And the reason why is because we have no idea what they're taking because we're unaware of what we've been given. Okay. Watch this. The people of America are the sovereign, but we are excluded in running the government. The first check of government is that we must consent. Yes, we've covered that. You can't govern me unless I consent. But the second check is that we who have the power to consent do not run the government. The second check is a check on us. Because if we ran the government, it would be a democracy, which would be mob rule. So the way that we separate that is we elect representatives. In a consent form of government, you elect representation. Those representatives are held accountable by the sovereign, the people, If we aren't holding them accountable, and if we don't know the questions to ask and what we demand of them and participate in that government, because a representative government requires that its citizens participate. And if you're the sovereign, you better know what's going on in your country. If you're the CEO of a company and you don't know what the bylaws are, 
we have a problem on our hands. Yes? So these are the two checks to allow a representative form of government. Is that it? I think that's it. Let me just make sure. Yeah. I want to talk. Yeah, I'll do that in just a second. Thank you. I almost ruined it. 27, good. All right. So in a representative form of government, the two checks we have is one, we have the check towards the government to declare that we can give them, we the people, in order for a more, perf- more perfect union, we give you consent to govern by representation. But to protect us from having mob rule, like every government in the world, the sovereign also runs the government. The sovereign in every area of total government runs the government. We are the sovereign, but we give representation to give us a check and balance so that we don't fall over to a total government realm. Now, again, our responsibility is to hold those representatives accountable. If we're ignorant, then they can run roughshod over us. Are we all clear on that? This is a lesson that you've got to comprehend. So what are you going to do when someone comes and asks for your vote for office? How many articles? Right. How many amendments? And we're going to take a look at those articles and you're going to ask them, do you know them? Because you're going to know them. What's that going to do for our community? Today's dog catcher is tomorrow's Congress member. Don't worry, I'm not running for it. I'm just saying today's dog catcher is tomorrow's Congress member. And, and why do most people run for office? They want to do something good for the community. But if they don't know what they're bound by and they just raise their hand and recite an oath and they have no clue as to what they're saying, when they get into office, those that, that get their ear and bend their ear, they'll melt and they'll fold to whoever has the most money. But if the community is educated and says, what are you doing? That is outside the limits of the constraints of the articles that we have called you as sovereigns to represent us. And you have violated that constitution. What is a constitution? Statue, statute, constitution, immovable object. You are not allowed to to move that. And we, we want it to be a living document. Really what you're saying is let's do away with the constitution, do a Hitler deal. Let's write a new one and give the person sovereign power. That's not, this works just fine. And it has a process to amend it as well. And we're not, listen, we're not a perfect government, but we're the best the world has ever seen. And what is amazing is you have this delicate balance between being the sovereign and holding the representatives accountable who run the government and you're not, you don't run the government. Okay. But you must be prepared to do that. Now, This is a tough one. This is a tough one. What happens when the government gets total power is not only the sovereign, but runs the government. What happens to the citizen? Freedom. And they become subjects to the oligarchy. Now, this is a really touchy subject, but often people say we can't have the first amendment without the second amendment freedom of the press, freedom of religion, freedom uh, to peaceably assemble for right of redress of grievances against the government, freedom of speech. And, and you come to this place where you say, well, these guys have all the guns and they told me to shut up. What was the first thing Hitler did? 
gun registration, he took everybody that was in opposition and put them in prison. Now, we can have a debate, and I don't want to bring it up in regards to what happened in Las Vegas. That's vile and awful. And by the way, I lost a friend. But one of the things we have to be careful is with any catastrophe in the United States of America, whether it's the, and we look at history, the burning of the Reichstag, the rise of a certain segment of people that are coming after capitalism, whatever it is, you use that as an excuse to take away the rights of the people. Now, there are healthy debates that we can have in a constitutional republic to protect the citizenry, and those need to happen. But remember, those in power always want to gain more. Who is the sovereign? You are. If you are not watchful, you'll surrender it. And and here's what Benjamin Franklin said. He who gives up freedom for the sake of security deserves neither. We have to be vigilant. And then I'm going to close with this video and then I'm going to open up for questions tonight. Here it is. We just went through in 2016 one of the roughest elections, dirtiest, most vile, difficult elections in the history of our country. There were a couple that were worse, but you really have to go back. And and it it just it it just put a line down the country. And you you've got young people, some of the older folks in here going, "Well, it doesn't make a line." Well, they're over there going, "Yeah, no, it did." Well, you don't understand. Well, they don't but neither do you. There's, there's something divided in the whole situation. And, and the young people are looking at it going, wait a minute. One candidate won the popular vote and isn't the president of the United States. The other candidate won the electoral college and they're the president of the United States. What, what, what is going on here? I thought this was a democracy. By the way, democracy doesn't exist in the U.S. Constitution, and our founders wanted to get as far away from it as possible. Constitutional Republic. Why is this important? Because if I give you the consent to represent me, if it were a democracy, everyone in California would have a difficulty being represented in Washington because we'd have a long way to go to get everybody there to vote on one thing. But the beauty of the government that our founders gave us is the nation could expand and still maintain its identity, its form through the U.S. Constitution because it grew. The nation grew while the Constitution remained the same. Remember, it's not the oldest nation on the face of the earth, but it is the oldest nation on the face of the earth. We've existed longer than any other nation under one birth certificate and one bylaw, and that is the U.S. Constitution. And it all came from representation. So California gets more representation in the lower house than Maine does, but they get the same amount of senators. And then we have this thing called the Electoral College. And we have a move in America to do away with the Electoral College and just make the president a popular vote. That now turns us to a democracy and not a representative form of government. And now you have somebody who can take the place of a sovereign. Right? And the will of the people to be vigilant, to protect the consent of the governed, so that we have representation. Watch this, it'll explain it to you. Let's take a look at this video.
So that's a simple presentation of the Electoral College, but let's go further with it, that if it's representation, each of those states, so if you just, if you just go for where the populations are, those populated areas then dominate the will of the entirety of the nation. But with an Electoral College, every state is represented, and you can't ignore every state. Does everyone get that? So we're the sovereign, and we want to have those individual votes, so we elect representatives who do that vote, which is an electoral college, and we hold them accountable, right? Now, I have to tell you, it's a, it's a fascinating concept that brilliant minds came up with. Hard to explain to somebody who has no civic training. The young people are not getting any civic education. They don't know the U.S. Constitution. It's not taught. Most people who go to law school aren't given a course in the U.S. Constitution. We've bypassed it. In the ignorance of it, we are now losing that vigilance to protect our sovereignty. And we have to hold our educators responsible. We have to hold our elected officials responsible. And the people who do that are the people who are in power. And that's we, the people. And if we don't know it, why are we shocked that they don't follow it or that the younger people aren't prepared to implement it or are confused by it, but not this group you're here. And that, that every time I come every week, I'm blessed by that. I'm moved by it. You want to know what to do. It begins right here. We create a model and we can go across the country with it. I'll, I'll leave this and then we'll open up for questions. I was, was, I was in um, Wisconsin and also Michigan in October of 16, actually coming up to you know the first Tuesday for the vote. I came back and I said, I told a number of people, Trump's going to win. They said, no. I said, yeah, he's going to win Wisconsin. I was going through Wisconsin seeing signs everywhere. And, and I, I was shocked by it. I mean, it's a solid blue state. And I'm wondering, what is... And none of her ads, the, the, the Hillary's ads, were anywhere in Wisconsin for the most part. And what was interesting is Trump's ads were washing over from a neighboring state in Minnesota. And they thought, we've got Minnesota locked. And all these ads were flowing over. And we're watching all these signs we went through. If one of those states fell, it was going to be a contest. And she never went into that state. She assumed it was, it was hers. That's what's so fascinating about the Electoral College. You've got to go and entertain each person, every state, and build coalitions to understand what the needs are. The needs in Wisconsin and up through Michigan, they called it the Rust Belt. They needed jobs. And when you walk through uh, parts, uh, major cities in Wisconsin, all, all, of the, all of the office buildings were vacant. Homeless people everywhere. Their, their downtown center, their convention center where we were, looked like a ghost town. These people were upset, and they'd been overlooked and just assumed, we're going to get your vote. That's the fascinating thing is, well, we're the sovereign, and you don't assume anything. We expected to have employment. We expected to have our manufacturers work. We're tired of the oppressive taxes. We're not going to vote for you, even though we have in countless elections in the past. And that's the will of the people. Who are the people? The sovereign. But what don't they do? They don't run the government. It's two checks. One is representatives, and we're the sovereign. And the other is we're not allowed to do the government. That's a check on us. So it's not mob rule. You want a democratic vote strictly for president? 
You are now running the government and you're no longer this separation of powers to protect the individual rights. It, it is a profound form of government and it's now 745 and I'm going to open it up for questions. So, yes, back there. Uh, the the the, uh, the Fifth Amendment uh, talks about protecting the, the the due process laws for private property. So why in the world, if I use less water, do I have to pay more money? What what gives what gives a utility, which is a monopoly run by the California Public Utilities Commission, which doesn't care what they do and they own it? Why do they come to us when we're trying to save money and we have no way as a consumer to save money because they tear us to death? They get it at the exact same rate, and they're ripping off the citizens. That is a violation. And if I own more property, and it doesn't matter if I own more or less, I should pay the exact same amount for water that everyone else gets because that's what you're paying for it. You don't tear me to justify your expenses. It's a violation of the Fifth, fifth Amendment. So that was my point. Let, 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 me, let me ask you, as the sovereign, why don't you ask them as your representatives? Yes. They're the representatives, so they run for office in those local areas but they don't represent the entirety of the nation. So what it does is it segments it. You, 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 they represent this portion. We elect them by a democratic vote, but they go to represent us as a community. They don't. Well, a Democrat, well, when you say a democratic vote, we can say a vote, but it is still a constitutional republic because they still represent us. Now, if you, if you define democracy as voting one person wins and the majority rules, in that sense, you may think that at the state level, but the reality is it's for national representation, which is a representative form of government for the nation itself. Because locally, we elect assembly members and also state senators from that representative mindset in each of the counties. Instead of just voting in a slate of state representatives and a slate of state senators, where the popular vote of California. So even our state legislature is run by a representative form of government. Does, does that make sense? Uh, I, I represent the local area and there's five of us and we alternate. So three are on for reelection and two are on for reelection. And, and when we come on, anything we decide for the city has to have a majority vote. So you, at any time you can remove a, a majority of those folks. Well, except for when I'm up with Al, but you have that ability in representation for five council members. So it's still a representative form of government, even at the local level. These are good questions tonight. Uh, wait, wait, I had a hand a bunch of, back here, and then I'll come over here. Yeah, Rob, comment on what we see in our culture with such a move towards socialism. You know, Bernie Sanders had his success. And really pushing aside all free market capitalism. So the question is, can I comment on what's happening with the younger generation as a move towards 
socialism and moving away from a free market economy? Is that was the question? I have to repeat it so that people who are listening can hear it. Um, I, because they don't understand and haven't been taught civics, um, the, the simplicity of this idea of the government taking care is so much easier to sell than trying to explain an electoral college. You had to sit there for five minutes and most of you are like, can we see that again? It, it, it requires, it requires you to put on a thinking cap and be educated. And, and what the, the first thing you want to do, if you want to do tyranny and you want to, to have total government is to cause the electorate and the people to become illiterate and also impoverish them and create some sort of chaos so that you can sway them in your direction and then promise them everything. But the problem is the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. And if, 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 if government is powerful to give, give you whatever you want, they're powerful to take away everything you have. Uh, here. The question is, do I believe term limits will help the situation? There are term limits every election. The problem is the sovereignty doesn't engage. And you elect the same people. Now, if you want to put term limits, let me tell you what will happen with term limits. Exactly what's happened up in the state of California. Those that go up to represent, and it used to be in the state assembly, they'll serve two terms or three terms, and they're allowed a couple terms in the state's end. They have a limited amount. So really, you're up there. You don't have time to understand the government. You don't have time to start to build uh, a vision and all these other things. Everyone up in the state who are the staff workers... They're the ones who are now running it because they're just waiting for another guy or gal to come in and just slap their sticker on them and do what they need to do. There is still somebody running the government in the absence of, but if you, if you get somebody that you have in, in this area and you ask them these questions as the sovereign and you send them to serve and you hold them accountable, if every area had what we're doing right here, there are term limits. The minute they violate that immovable object, that constitution, we vote them out. Uh, back here. So the question is, isn't it the founder's fault that there's not more engagement because there aren't repercussions for not voting? Was that correct? Or responsibilities? Yeah. It, it, the founders did do that. Originally, they said that only property owners could vote, and so they had a vested interest in it. Uh, they, had, they, they also uh, created a vested interest um, with, well... The representation for those states, if they didn't participate... They, they would lose that. So they, they, they didn't want it to, to make it mandatory, but they also said, like with the Northwest Ordinance, they wanted, like John Adams said, only a moral people can, can govern a republic. They wanted their citizenry to be educated to do that instead of force their hand to do it. They wanted them to engage in doing it. Um, kind of like a willingness instead of an obligation. I mean, if we force people to vote without an education of what it was about. And that's why they said you couldn't, in the Northwest Ordinance, you couldn't be a state if you didn't teach morality and religion because the, the populace wouldn't be educated to make those decisions. So 
yeah, they probably could have done that. Quite honestly, I'd be irritated if someone told me I had to. Because oftentimes people don't vote as a voice. Um, so, but that's a, man, what a great question. You, that, that stumps me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look into that a little bit more. Uh, we got eight minutes. Yes, sir? In the electoral college system, remember in the 16 election, they were trying to sway the electoral college after the, the vote had happened. They're not really bound to vote the way they are. Has it ever come that they voted against the Very few times. And if they do, it, the people who voted for that are very irritated. There's, there's been a handful of instances, but never has an election been, for, to my knowledge, turned because the Electoral College refused to vote in accordance with the constituency. Yeah, they, they I, I don't, maybe, does anyone know, are, in some states, you're not allowed to switch that, but in others, you are. So, uh, right here, yes? They drove all the way from Santa Barbara to be here. Let's clap for Yeah, people vote for him. There, there, I, I th- there are term limits to the governorship. I think this is his last go-round, and I think we're going to end up with um, Gavin Newsom. Uh, well, I'm... Yeah, he had two prior, I think prior to having term limits and then coming in the second time, he was bound by the term, term limits. Grandfather claused in. Yeah, uh, for example... Um, Linda Parks, she voted in term limits, but she's not bound by those. So actually her term limit based on what she outlined in this 2018, she, by what she said, has reached her term limit. But she is free to run for office again because that was retroactive. That was grandfathered in. So after the election, the clock starts ticking for not the previous term she served. Okay. And I hope. If Linda does that, I hope Peter does too. Yes? You mentioned that you thought that a constitutional republic was the best form of government. Um, what are some of the reasons that it's failed in a lot of areas of the world, like uh, the Middle East tried to institute these constitutional republics and they didn't necessarily want it? Do you think that that is kind of a cultural thing, yeah. education thing? John Adams answered it. A republic cannot survive without a moral people. You have to understand that rights come from God. You have to, it, it, and even if you look at John Locke, and we're going to go through this, this, for people who say America's not a Christian nation, its founding principles are Judeo-Christian in the, in the understanding of man and his accountability to a creator and, and the dignity of man in, in or, or the equality of man in dignity, not in capacity. In other cultures, it's hard to export it. It really is. Um, one of the things, that he, uh, very famous uh, British his, history, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. This is a man that understood all the different realms of the Middle East. And when they had divided up through the British Empire, you know, the territories and the boundaries, he had done it based on those that held sovereign power just to keep those folks in power, which would maintain peace in that, that region. And the minute you introduce this idea of what they call the uh, uh, the, 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 the spring, um, yeah, yeah, it, 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 when, when all these dictators fell out, it, 
it, it created this vacuum and you've got this. There was anarchy, but it created a vacuum. They're not prepared to establish that. Their worldview of, of humanity, their worldview of man, completely different. It'll survive in the Western region through Europe, but even there, I mean, after the, this is fascinating, after the wall came down, communist wall came down, and we saw what communism had done, the very first thing that the Western countries wanted to do was embrace socialism and communism. No, just, yes, right here. So, so the question is, what, what can we do to get people educated? How many people here tonight invited somebody? Raise your hand, please. Thank you. How many people um, have learned something since you've been here? Raise your hand. Here we go. Let's keep doing this. And what I give you, go give it to somebody else. And hold, hold your representatives accountable. We'll build it here, and then others can model it. I have time for two more questions here and back here. Was there anyone that I missed that kept raising your hand over here? Okay, let me do here and I'll go back there. Yes. I hope so. That's why I called on you. You're going to put everybody to sleep, so get to the point. I'll tell you the reason why. There's a supermajority how they get there. Nobody, uh, all right. We had, we had 600 people volunteer for the election to, to walk when I ran for the state assembly. Prior to that, and by their own admission, it was the first campaign they'd ever participated in. And a lot of people elected Jackie, nice lady, she's my friend. She went to Sacramento, and you're going to be dealing with a sanctuary state issue, SB1 is going to go through, all these things that are the antithesis of our Constitution. And people who feel like they are conservative or feel as though they understand the They had no clue. They, yeah. My friend, you have to ask that question. What are the seven articles of the U.S. Constitution? What are the 20? This, you're the sovereign. They got there because we've been asleep. They do things like gut and amend. They have a super majority. They, uh, um, SB 218, they're able, they're able to tax you without representation. They, they just, there's no vote of the people. And how many propositions, which is a democratic ap- approach to governing, how many propositions have you voted for that one judge just wiped out? It almost gets to the point where why bother? If we don't just start rebuilding communities and educating our, our citizenry to be the sovereign and hold them accountable... They're happy to take what we yield. Uh, two questions. There was one here. Is that you? Okay. He was here and then back there. Go ahead. Do you believe at this point it is possible for the sovereign to defund and deconstruct and dissolve the welfare state? <laughs> In one word. In one word. 
No, not right now. Uh, but I will say this. How many years has it taken us to get here? Well, then you need to be committed to that many years to restoring it. If you want a simple answer right now and get it, no, no. And then if you want to sit and complain and, and decry why it's broken and not do anything about it, then no. But if you realize it's going to take a lot of work, yes. Back here. Who is the electoral college and how are they chosen to be a part of that? <sighs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Does anyone know that? They're selected by the representatives, but what is the process for that? Because I know that each party, I, it, might be, it might be through the national committees of each party. Um, I'll tell you what, I will find that out before next week. Thanks for making me look so stupid in front of everybody. <laughs> what a great question. Great question. We'll get that answer next week. Okay, it's 801. Hey, folks, again, so encouraged by you guys. You're the sovereign. Go get to work, all right? Bless you. Yeah.